What if every song on the radio were the same? What if all of our music were the same key, the same subject, the same tempo? It would be boring, and we would stop listening. But God is not boring, and neither are his songs, which means we can come to him in any and every emotional state we find ourselves in. Pastor Doug Logan says, God is worthy of praise, even on a bad day. He's good because of who he is. Feel the pain, trial, anguish, joy, celebration, and justice as we further understand what it means to know the God of the Bible. Let's marinate in the Psalms as this ancient poetry washes over us, refining us, changing us for his good. What a joy to learn there is no pretending in Christ. God allows us to weep, sing, shout, laugh, and even lament. Join us as we go deeper with God. Join us as we revel in his songs. Join us for these songs of freedom. City Life. It's a little warm in here. Uh, we're working on the AC. Supposedly it's supposed to have been turned on, but I think we might have a problem with the district, so we'll be working on that for the future for today. Bummer. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I'm Pastor Dale. I'm the lead pastor for City Life Church, and I'm excited to be here with you guys today. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to share what God's been teaching me this week. Um, so I'm a musician, right? And so I've got to record, um, I think I have six studio albums in, uh, the, in my vault or whatever. And uh, some of them are better than others. Um, one of them is like actually worth a lot of money. And I get contacted from people all over the world asking me to send them my CD uh, and they'll pay. And I always say, oh, you like our music, I'll totally just send you the files. And they're like, no, 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 we want the CD, because it's rare, <laughs> because not a lot of people bought it. So, um, but when I was in the studio recording, usually what would happen is, is you're in a different room from the engineer. And when you're in a different room from the engineer, I'm sure you've seen it on TV, you're behind the glass, right? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's soundproof glass. And so when you're behind the glass and you're trying to talk to each other, it's really hard if the technology is not uh, put on correctly. So what happens is, is the engineer has to press the pre-record button uh, in order to hear you talk. And so what oftentimes happens is they don't press the button, and it's like, gosh, this is your job, dude. You should be able to communicate with me. And so I end up talking, and nobody is hearing me. I'm in this soundproof room, and I'm trying to say, hey, I think we need to do that again. Meanwhile, they're talking about what they're going to get for lunch, and I'm just, I'm just saying, hey, hey, I, I messed up there. I messed up. I know that you didn't hear it, but I know that I messed up, and I need to do it again. And I'm, I'm just talking to myself. In the same way, unless they press the button to speak to me, they're talking to themselves as well. So oftentimes, they'll say, hey, you did terrible when I think I did awesome, and they're just, they're not pressing the button. And sometimes, they don't want me to hear, and they're just making fun of me. <laughs> um, and uh, I have stories about that that I cannot say because they're not politically correct about what they said about me. So um, when you're in the control room, 
sometimes they can't hear you. When you're being recorded, sometimes the engineer cannot hear me. The thing is, is what we're talking about today is uh, what does it mean when you feel like God can't hear you? When it feels like the button has not been pressed, when it's not on pre-record, where it feels like God is far off, what do we do with that? Because if, if we're honest, I would say most people in this room, if not all of us, have at some point felt like God's not listening to us. And so we're going to be in Psalm 13 today. Um, uh, so if you have your Bibles, great. If you have your phones, great. We have Bibles available in the back, and, um, and we just encourage everyone, when you pull out a Bible, go to the table of contents first to try and find it so that uh, we all look the same when we're looking for it. Nobody has to show off their Bible prowess. So we're going to be in Psalm 13, Bibles in the corner. Let's read. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up my anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for being present here in this morning, uh, present in here this morning. We are here because of your kindness. Um, we breathe by your grace. God, as some here suffer from mental illness, depression, addiction, poverty, we ask that you would be our hope. When everything and everyone around us seem to fail us, God, we ask that you would be our hope. As we fail each other, would you be our hope? God, when you feel far, would you remind us how very, very close you are? Teach us this morning, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been going through the Psalms in our series, Songs of Freedom. And uh, sometimes we have these Psalms, uh, maybe not the last two, but we've had others where we know ex what is exactly going on in the heart of the psalmist. So we know that like at one of, uh, in Psalm 3, David was being um, pursued by his son who was going to take him out. And his son was kind of a turd, right? Do you remember that? Um, this one we don't have. Just like Jordan's last year, we didn't have any context. I feel like you're waving at me. Hi. Um, by the way, a, a crying church ain't a dying church. So if you hear kids crying, then we know that our church is alive. That's a good thing. Um, that was not a cry. That was a super cute coup. Um, back on track. Uh, so what we don't know, we don't know the context of this psalm, right? We just don't know. And so... Um, some people believe it was still when David was fleeing from his son Absalom. Uh, some believe this could have been early on before David was king and uh, King Saul was coming at him. Other people just think this is just, this could have just been happening while David was king. Um, so why is that important? One is I feel like uh, sometimes we tend to feel like maybe we're a little bit drama ourselves. And if this truly is just when David is being king, not necessarily when he's fleeing, um, then we can say, you know what, maybe, maybe David 
could cry out to God and say some hard things to God, even when maybe things weren't as bad as, as some of the other times. Um, also, let's just be clear. It's not easy to be a king, especially in the ancient world. Most of the time, someone was trying to poison you. Someone was trying to kill you and take over your throne. So there was a constant anxiousness. Can you imagine that? Like, I would not want to be a king. I would want to be, you know, somewhere like in the middle, you know? I wouldn't want to be like a serf. Um, but, but to be a king at that time is not really like a, a steady place to be. So no one's life is easy, and not especially kings in the ancient history. And if you've read history, you know um, people are always scheming to overthrow kings. So David is lonely, and God seems at a distance. That is a context, because we only know the context based on what it says. And we know David feels like God's far, and God's not listening to him. So today I'm going to give you three points on the silence of God. And um, our first point is that there are moments in Christian life when it feels like God is not listening. There are moments in the Christian life when it feels like God listen, is not listening. Don't be fooled into feeling this way and thinking you're like ungodly all of a sudden. There are, it's going to affect all of us. Don't, don't pull away from the church. Don't pull away from God just because you don't feel him. We all feel this, okay? So um, what he's saying is, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? In verse 1, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up my anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? He's saying, God, why does it feel like I'm shouting at a brick wall? Like I'm crying out for your help. Where are you? Now, this, this verse begs the question, like, does God actually forget? Because it's in the Bible, right? Now, we have to remember that there are a few different, like, literary devices being used here. One, um, uh, excuse me, there are different types of literature. Now, one is we know that this is like poetry or song. Now, um, when we talk about poetry or song, we sang a song just recently, like Reckless Love. To say that God is reckless, well, isn't that like unbiblical? And, and the thing is, is that <clears throat> the author of Reckless Love is using a literary device. They're, they're, they're exaggerating. They're, they're using a hyperbole to prove a point, to make it seem more close, or even to disrupt what you're thinking. So here David is saying, God is forgetting me. Um, now, this is called anthropomorphism as well, right? Okay, I'm using a lot of big words, right? All that is, anthropomorphism, is the idea of giving human characteristics to something that's not human. Okay, so in order for David to relate to God, he is referring to God like as if God were a human. God, why are you forgetting me all the time? Like, I don't think God is up on a cloud like, oh yeah, David, what's going on? No, this is just David saying, I feel like you're far away. So he's using hyperbole and he's using poetry to say, God, I feel like you're super far. So what, what does he do with it? So maybe God doesn't forget like David describes, but surely here David feels like God is silent and far off and not listening to him. Like he's just not making this up out of thin air. And, and so here's what's crazy. Like David is known a man after God's own heart a man who is close to God. Like for David, God is like his skin, that close to him. So suddenly to feel like God is far off for David, can you imagine what that feels like? I'm assuming it feels like walking out into a winter storm without a coat. It's like, where is my protection? Where is my shield? Where is my God to comfort and protect me? That's how David is feeling. Here's what's so amazing. Like you guys, this is the Bible. This is the Bible saying there are times when we're gonna struggle with him. And even better, there are times when we can come at God and he's not intimidated by us. He's not, 
he, he doesn't have this ego that if we say, God, you feel far, that he's going to go, well, off my list. That person is done with me because they challenged me. That person is done with me because they struggled in faith. No, this, this, David is a dude after God's heart, and God affirms this by putting this in his word that we can read daily, that it's okay for us to challenge and struggle with God. I find that to be beautiful. Maybe that's hard for you. Perhaps you like things a little more black and white, but for me to know that there are mo- mornings when I wake up and I feel depression, I feel struggle, I feel anger, um, I'm, I'm mad. To go to God and be like, I'm mad. You don't have to go, sir, God, sir, sir, I just, I, you know, I just, you're so great all the time. And, and I, I never struggle because you're awesome. Like, that's not what we see in the scripture here. This is lament. David is saying, I don't like this. I don't like you, maybe, in a way. And that's okay because it's in the Bible. So, there are moments when it will feel like God is not listening. This is part of your Christian walk. There are moments when it will feel like God is not listening. There are moments when suffering will drag on for ages, and you will think, where are you, God? Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Oh, I'm going to read it twice because it's deep. Time flies with full-fledged wing in our summer days, but in our winters he flutters painfully. A week within prison walls is longer than a month at liberty. Can I read that for you guys again? Because you know it's true. Time flies with full-fledged wing in our summer days, but in our winters he flutters painfully. A week within prison walls is longer than a month at liberty. Charles Spurgeon. Man, that guy has poetry. I would have been like, when you got to pee, it feels really long. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ten minutes feels like an eternity when you got to pee. That's, that's what I would have said. But Charles Spurgeon, fledged wing in our summer days. So you know the term when it rains, it pours, right? Like there are legitimate times in our lives when it feels like the rain will not let up. And you know sometimes we just have to shout, God, where are you? Where are you at? And you know what's amazing about the whole thing? Even if you say it in anger, even if you say it in frustration, even if you say it like you don't like him, God's cool with it, and he's here, and he loves it when you come to him. How do we know he's cool with that? Because it's all over his word. The beauty of Psalm 13 is how it shows we can go to God with anger, sorrow, and even distrust. We can go to God with distrust, and he is still good, and he still loves us. So I remember friends joking with uh, my family that we needed a punch card for the hospital, for surgeries. Um, In a two-year span, I remember everyone in the family had some form of surgery, and I'm just going to give you the list. First, our daughter had her adenoids removed. She had her tonsils removed. She had stitches on her face twice. And if you've ever been with a child while they're getting stitches on their face while they're awake, it's the worst thing ever. They have to hold them down, put them in a papoose, and you have to cry and tell them how you're going to get them a hot fudge sundae afterwards. (laughs) My wife had heart surgery. My wife had a cyst surgically removed. Uh, My appendix burst. We had to induce our son because doctors were worried about his heart. Our son spent the first week of his life in the hospital because of feeding problems and his low bilirubin score. Our son had three hernia surgeries. Our son was admitted to the hospital for fear of seizures, and he stayed after the testing when he had a dangerously high fever. Our son was admitted to the hospital for failure to thrive twice. The second time, he actually lost weight, so they kept him 10 days. 
Our son had tubes put in his ears. Our son had a feeding button surgically put in. And with Williams syndrome, every time you put your child under, there has to be a heart surgeon there because they don't know if their heart will fail when you put them under. That was our first two years with our son. And in those moments, in the middle of the night, I had to go to God and be like, what's your deal, bro? Like, where are you at? And, and it's so funny because there's times when, you know, I, I wear a hat when I preach, and there's times when I, I wear, like, these uh, pants that tore, and so I turned them into shorts. There's times when I dress what some people would say is disrespectfully. And they'd say, you're not showing respect to God. I'm like, dude, have you read the Bible? Have you read godly people, what they say to him? You think that me wearing shorts or forgetting to wear shoes while I preach is really, like, his concern? The thing is, is that God loves us so much so that when we come to him, even when we come to him with bad motives, he loves us. He cares for us. He has concern for us. And he likes us coming to him. But at times it feels like he is not listening. It feels that way. Isaiah 49, 14 through 16 says this. Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me. The Lord has forgotten me. That's anthropomorphism for those of you who are going to be talking to your kids about this afterwards. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So God is saying, I know you feel like I've forgotten you, but I have freaking tattoos of you on my hands. That's how much I love you. Like painfully, I have inscribed you on my hands. Friends, everyone has doubts, okay? Anyone who says they believe all the time, um, uh, there's a biblical word for that. It's called liar. Nobody believes all the time. People always struggle. Now, that doesn't mean we don't like, like trust him or try to believe or anything like that, but I think there's times when we just have doubts. And I have friends that, that call me on the phone and say, bro, um, like, I believe most of the time, but there's times when I'm just like, this sounds like a bunch of magical, uh, like Harry Potter stuff, and it's not real. And I'm like, dude, pre- press into that. It's okay. You're allowed to have doubts, but then return to him and remember that he loves you. Look at his words. See how he loves you. And see how even when you doubt, he helps your unbelief. How beautiful is that? Go to a study of Peter in the Bible. Do you guys know who Peter is? He was like like Jesus' right-hand man. And Peter was constantly failing Jesus. Like Jesus called him the devil one time he messed up so bad. And yet, after that, Jesus said, like, dude, you're my guy. Like when Jesus was um, going to court, Um, maybe in a legal court, but when Jesus was being tried, like Peter was out there like trying to follow him and people are like, hey, Peter, do you know that guy? Because it kind of sounds like you have the same accent. And he's like, F no. Now it says he curses. And it probably was a different type of curse. Like he called down a curse from heaven, but he curses. Like he so wants to prove that he's not with Jesus that he'll do anything to show that, no, that's not my man. And what happens when Jesus is resurrected? He goes up to Peter and he says, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. He's like, I trust you for this. Like Peter, the dude who just screwed up. Like Jesus goes, goes and says, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. 
So if it's cool with Peter, it's okay for, for our, our man over here, David, who's just like saying all these things and screwing up, then it's cool for you to have struggles and doubts. It's cool for you to, to walk away from God and find yourself back in, the, in, the, in, in his graces. Now, do I desire for you to walk away? No. Do I desire for you to have doubts? No. Does he desire that for you? No. But he always welcomes you home. That is the goodness of our God. And that is why we have our second point, that we remember and trust. When we feel silence from God, we remember and trust. Verse 5 says, But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. And so he's saying, sometimes we, I trust you just in this silence. That's easier said than done, right? Um, now here it says uh, the word deliverance translates in the Hebrew as Yeshua. Sounds familiar, right? Um, it means your salvation. I trust in your salvation and your deliverance. Now, for David, this may have been deliverance from enemies. Like the dude had people coming at him all the time. There was always some army ready to come out at David. Um, probably because he was kind of a colonizer, but, you know, we could get to that later. But there were people coming at David all the time, all the time. And so David felt the need for salvation from those enemies. Now, as Christians today, like, we do have enemies. Like, Rob from accounting, like, he could be your enemy. He could try and, like, bring you down. But I, I don't think that this is the enemy that we should look to when we're looking at this verse. Now, this is probably talking about a physical enemy, but I think we have an enemy that is unseen based on Scripture. And that's the devil. So, so, so why would I speak about the devil? Here's the thing. He's invisible to you and me, and he wants to bring you down. And anytime you are drawing nearer to God, I promise you, you will receive more attack. Anytime you feel like you should do something that's good for you, anytime you feel like you should uh, dive deeper into church, I promise you, the attacks come. There's an invisible attacker. Now, the cool thing is we have an invisible, um, we have a God who protects us, and there's a battle going on that we don't even see. So when we're being delivered, I think we're being delivered from an evil far worse than what David may be talking about here. Whenever the Bible talks about deliverance, there's an inevitable question. Who is our enemy? And the enemy is our devil, is the devil, the liar. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 says this, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Which is why when someone comes to know Jesus early on, we try to spend as much time around them as possible because a new Christian, uh, the devil just wants to devour him or her. Verse 9, resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a while. So David was being saved from the enemies he could see, but we do not fight against flesh and blood, right? We fight against unseen enemies, and our salvation was accomplished through Jesus not by anything we have done, but it was accomplished at the cross. That Jesus willingly left heaven on our behalf. That the Father sent him to be a human. Like how below him to be a human. Like how below God to have illness, to have people slander him to his face, to have to go through puberty, to have a virus, to have a stomach virus, to have B.O., God, to have these human characteristics that are so below him, to hunger, to thirst. 
to have people pull out his beard, to have people spit on him, to be killed on a cross for our salvation because he loves us that much. That is the way that he fought the devil for us. That when he died on the cross, he accomplished something that you can't do your own, on, your, on your own. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. We cannot earn our salvation. But when you feel like God is far, you can't unearn it. That he is stronger than your doubts and your struggles. So that is the gospel. And I say to this, if you have been saved, you have to respond to the fact that you've been given this free gift. Our, our third point is praise him because he is trustworthy. But also because he blesses you, really. I mean, in verse 6 it says, I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Now I did a bunch of like research on like how singing makes you happier and stuff like that, and I cut it, but that's true. Okay, so what he's saying is, God has been so generous to me, how could I not sing and praise and tell others about him? I want to tell you guys a story about Jake and Luke Bavaro of Lynbrook, New York. Lynbrook is like near Long Island, New York, um, which is like this long island in New York. Um, Okay, this story is from the Firemen's Association of New York. July 13th, 1998, Lynbrook residents Christine Bavaro and her husband Angelo were returning in their car from a doctor visit for their twin babies born on April 9th, 1998, with three-month-old Luke, who weighed just two pounds, six ounces, um, and, uh, and he was having difficulty breathing. Also in the car was Luke's twin brother, Jake, who had weighed only three pounds, ten ounces at birth. Suddenly, Luke wasn't breathing. They immediately stopped the car, and the mother ran to a nearby home for help. She told the homeowner to call for help because her baby was not breathing. The Lindbrook Fire Department was notified. Christina would tell the local newspapers that before she had gotten back to the car, the fire department sirens were sounding and the two firefighters appeared, former Captain Curran and Captain Rice. Rice jumped into the back seat of their vehicle after checking baby Jake, grabbed Luke from his car seat. Luke was not breathing. In fact, he was already blue. Rice immediately put the baby's head back to open his airway while manipulating his jawbone. He stimulated his feet to get him to react and breathe. After some anxious moments, Luke finally took a breath, then a second, but his breathing was labored. A Lindbrook police officer arrived with oxygen, followed by the Lindbrook Fire Department ambulance. The firefighters and the medical technicians on the ambulance continued to support Luke's breathing with oxygen. While in transport to Winthrop University Hospital, Luke's breathing began to improve. Jake was also taken in the ambulance so he could be monitored. According to the local newspaper, Doctors credited quick response by Lindbrook emergency medical technicians with saving an infant boy's life. At the hospital, Luke was put into intensive care, where he spent the next seven days. Also, according to that newspaper, the doctor told the mother that if they hadn't arrived at the hospital when they did, the situation might have been tragic. Two months after the incident, and after the twins were back home on their breathing monitors, the Lindbrook Fire Department responded to the Bavaro home after they lost power during a tornado of September 1998 because the monitors had no power. The floodlight unit, after first using its huge truck generator, was able to hook up their power cords to a neighbor's home that had electricity. The babies were safe again back on their monitors. That same month, the Bavaro family met with the chiefs and firefighters and medical technicians who came to their aid in July. Christine Bavaro kissed them all and thanked them. Today, both Luke and Jake are joining the fire company where Curran is a member. 
they never mentioned to anyone over the past few months that they were the babies helped by the firefighters in 1998. It was by accident that the twins mentioned they had wanted to join the fire department after being saved by the firefighter 18 years ago. It was then that everyone realized who these boys were. Back on August 16th, Luke and Jake received their badges and their turnout gear with rice and curran watching. When these now young men were asked why they wanted to join the fire department, Jake said, we wanted to give back to the community that helped us. Being a firefighter makes us feel a part of this community, and we want to do our part after we saw what the firefighters do and did for us. Luke said, they volunteered, and they helped us survive, so maybe one day we will have to give back and help someone else. They had been saved, and for them, the only response was gratitude, service, and praise for those who had saved their lives. I say to my saved friends, there are times when you will feel like you have to just take care of you and yours and yourself, and I tell you, you have been saved from so much pain and turmoil and struggle, and I tell you, there are people around you who need you. I would say, for those of you who don't know Jesus, there is one who has given his life for you, who's given everything for you so that you might have peace, so you might have joy, and you might have a relationship with him forever. And I encourage you to not take it lightly. I encourage you to say to him, Lord, you have given everything for me so I might have life, and I want to give my life to you. It's not something we have to do in some like big altar call where we'll do music and like pressure everybody to come up, but I encourage you to consider the fact that maybe there is one who cares and loves you so much that he's done everything for you and he's asking for you to just accept it and trust him. In Luke 19, when Jesus entered the city as a king, People said there's, and people were, were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means salvation comes from the Lord. The religious leaders said, shut them up. Like, don't you know how sacrilegious this is for them to be praising you like you're some kind of God or something? And Jesus said, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the rocks would cry out. Friends, I don't want rocks crying out in our community. I want us crying out and thanking him. I want us living our lives as an act of worship. I want us to praise him because he is trustworthy. We've been saved much, and a proper response is song, appreciation, and service. Now Luke 17, 11 through 19, one more Jesus story for y'all. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. Now, if you know what it's like to be a leper, which you don't, because you're not like in Hawaii or something right now, but lepers, it was like a degenerative uh, condition where you started to lose feeling in your senses, in your hand, and you could no longer tell when you're putting your hand on a hot stove, and slowly you would step on your ankle, and you would hurt yourself and not know, and it would get worse and worse and worse till you found yourself unable to live life in a way that anyone else would, and then at the same time, you weren't allowed around anyone, so you had these men that weren't allowed to be around anyone. They were probably gross and infected, and they went to Jesus, and he's like, hey, just uh, go, to, go to the priest because you're made well. Like, it was just that. Just like, a, just like Jesus like, snapped his fingers and said, go, dude, you're all right. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, 
returned. With a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. This was the Samaritan, which we would know. This is the uh, not cool guy from the group. Then Jesus said, hey, weren't there like 10 of you guys? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Friends, I want us to be like that dude. I want us to be like that dude, that there's a God who has saved you. There's a God who's given his life for you. For us to continue walking on the same path that we were already going after he's done everything for us, that's sad to me. It's sad because there's something so good. So if you're a believer and you continue walking the same way, I feel bad for you. If you're a non-believer and you hear what he's done for you and you're unwilling to accept it, I feel bad for you. It's such a good, free gift. It's costly, but it's free. And so, those of us who have been saved from much, and I know how much I've been saved from because I was a turd. We can't hold it in, can we? We sing about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. I get in trouble for talking about Jesus. I tell people about Jesus because I was once lost and now I'm found. He saved me from death. He saved me from slavery, disease, prison, hell. Do you ever wonder why God has called Christians to preach the good news to the poor? Because that was near and dear to God's heart. And if God is willing to die for me, and I know based on Scripture that he came for the poor, then I am for the poor. I am for the hurting. I am for those who are suffering. I am for those who are in addiction. I am for all those people who are in slavery right now because he saved me from slavery. Shouldn't we feel the same way? Amen. Thank you, sister. So I'm going to just close here. You may say, good for you, Pastor Dale it's hit the fan in my life. And I'm just trying to keep from drowning. That feeling of God turning his back on you may be how you feel right now. You may feel like, he don't care about me. Like, I know he cares about you. Look at you're like a pastor and stuff, so of course he cares about you. But if King David felt like the back was turned on him, Surely you can understand. Well, you know what? We've already been talking about Jesus, so why don't we talk about him again? We are called Christians, right? Here's the thing. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus is on the cross dying. About three in the afternoon, Jesus, Jesus, God, said with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma, sabathana. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who is God, felt the Father turn his back on him. He felt the intense pressure and pain of our sin being thrust upon the cross. And he even said, why have you forsaken me? So when you feel like you're in it, when you feel like it's hit the fan, when you feel like you're drowning, even your Savior knows what it feels like. He's been there, and he did what he did because he loved you. And he could have at any moment taken himself off that cross, but he refused to because he cared enough for you to stay. So Psalm 30, 4 through 5 says, Sing to the Lord, you faithful ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Amen. Sometimes we ask the Lord, how long is my night? How long till the sunrise, dude? You watch everyone around you succeed, and you're like, what? What about me? 
feels like everyone around you is married or everyone around you is successful or not stressed or maybe they're in a happy marriage or maybe they're just not poor. But weeping may stay overnight, but there's joy with the morning. The band, Cool Hand Luke, says it this way, weeping may last for the night, but it's the longest night of your life. It is in these moments we must be reminded of the goodness of God. Some of you are reminded by God's goodness when you go to the ocean. But most of us need to be reminded by the people who love God. Because you know what? I go to the ocean, I'm still mad. I need someone to remind me that there is a good God around me. There will be days when community, prayer, church, friends, they're just harder for you. So you're going to just stay in your hole. It's so much easier to hide in the warmth of our addictions, our successes, our laziness. Being alone in struggle is so much easier than being with people in your struggle. And I'm just saying to you, bringing someone into this mess that you call your life, it sounds overwhelming, but it is good. That time that we spent in multiple hospitals was so freaking hard, friends. But I want to say, even when I felt like God was far, he was present. He was closer than my skin. Even when he seemed silent, he was there. It says the Holy Spirit prays over you. When I cried out to God, there was a closeness there whether I felt it or not. When we planted City Life Church in Wichita, Kansas, dude, uh, we raised money, and we were like, okay, hope this works out, and then it did, right? And so we actually had a lot of people come, and I remember sitting down with my friend Joey as I was going to leave to plant City Life Church in San Diego, and he's like, bro, I got to say, I'm actually really jealous of you that you de- are going to need to depend on God through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> like, it was such a good feeling to not know if I was going to get paid, you know? I'm like, oh, that's, that's neat, you know? <laughs> Um, but that's the thing. Sometimes in our suffering, um, even when we don't feel like God is close, he is so close, and he is so near and dear to those who suffer. So friends, let us approach God with reverence and love, even when he feels far, knowing that he is close, reminding each other that he is close, remembering and trusting, and being okay when we're struggling. He's a good God who loves you. And I encourage you to celebrate, take his hand, and remind yourself how much he loves you. Can we pray? God, I, uh, I thought that when I became a Christian, it would just be like, you're just like here. And I just like wake up every morning. I'm like, oh, hey, you're right there. And then, and then there are times when it felt like you weren't there. And so, God, I'm so thankful that in your word it says you are present with us, that you remind us that we should celebrate you, and then we'll start to feel you a little bit more. But even when we don't, you have provided for me some people who can remind me, and I just thank you for that. God, for those here in the room who um, maybe are coasting, for those who just feel like uh, they want to take this gift and just keep walking the way they were going, I pray that you would you would help them to see something better that you have for them. Better than just walk in their own way, but something, something like a family that is found in you. God, for those who don't know you this morning, for those who feel like you're pretty cool and you probably did something cool for them, I pray that you would give them the gift of faith right now. That you would give them boldness to finally just say, you know what, I'm going to trust you even when I don't know if you're there.
even when it feels like you've forgotten me. God, I pray that you'd give them that boldness. And God, in this, in this silence of this moment, we are going to confess our sins to you. Would you take our sins? Would you accept them? And we thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so is our sin from your sight. That those of us who confess you as Lord of our life find forgiveness and grace because you were willing to give it all for us. We thank you that when the Father looks upon us, Father, when you look upon us, you see the, the sinlessness of your Son. You see the righteousness of your Son. And God, as you're making us more and more into um, that perfect person, God, that we're not there yet. We ask that you would help us to have grace for ourselves. Help us not to pull away, but to press in to sadness and community and struggle, knowing that you are closer than our skin. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.